Previously on Anything Goes. And, and this is no disrespect to him, but, but you know his you know his big closer was something that I think I've seen around before. It was like uh, he'd hold up signs with translations of Southern, you know, uh, sayings. Okay. Like we had to drive like two hours to get to this place to do this one nighter. And the entire way down, you know, Batch is just sort of like, I don't know how the fuck people get on Letterman. How do you get on fucking Letterman? I've been doing this 15 years. Who the, how the fuck, who makes those fucking choices? I deserve it. I don't know how to fucking get on Letterman. I mean, like two hours of that. <laughs> and... We get to this club, and it's like it's a little awkward because it's a one-nighter. There's only like 12 people there, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I do my time, and I, you know, do everything. I'm still working off a of paper because I'm just starting out and trying to do my 30. And I do okay with the 10 people that are there, however many. And, and then I go I get off. I bring Batch up, and I go to the bathroom, and, and I don't know what's happened uh, between bringing him on stage <laughs> and me going to the bathroom. But I walk out, and he's on stage yelling at these nine people the same shit he was yelling at me in the car. You think I don't want to be on Letterman? How the fuck do you get on Letterman? I mean, why the fuck am I here? And it's awkward, and yeah. it's, like, it's uncomfortable, and he's fucking 10 minutes in. And I've never done this before that, and I've never done it again. But I literally, I literally stay into the middle of this small audience and Bob, and I said, "Let's take a break. All right, let's just let's just reassess where we're at right now. Let's take a break, and and Bob, just you know, settle down. You people, everything's okay. And it's really awkward. And he's up there like, well, I don't know what the fuck to do. You know, I'm like, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? And 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 I, you know, it's really weird. And I go, Bob, do the signs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to your closer. Yeah. And he's like, really? You think that's going to work? I'm like, just, just do the signs. Yeah. Let's I, just try to rejigger it. So he did, and it worked out okay. And now, let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Don't touch that dial. It was molested and it brings back horrible memories. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. And Kathleen McGee. And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Can you dig it? Did you see that picture I, I sent to the group, Kathleen? Yes, why? Is, is that your nipple? No, that's my something on my leg. I thought that's that was a nipple. Leg? That's on my leg. I and thought that was a nipple. Kind of, no, I know, it's a growth, and it's like, you know, it, I showed a doctor, it's been going like that for a year, two years even. And the doctor's like, oh, it's just normal, it's normal. Well, then it just, it became like this oozing, gross thing. And I wasn't gonna, I was gonna put the picture on Facebook with the caption, oh, look, my leg is growing a vagina, right? And it looks like a nipple. I know, and 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 it my like wife. Crystal inside of it too. I know, and 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 Brandy, my wife is like, no, you no. What is wrong with you? You shouldn't put that on there. And it's like I can count on one hand where she's like, no, don't do that, don't do that. And that was the thing that was like, whoa. And that led us into this conversation about you know too much information posting shit but to me if i have a joke about it and people want to see it they see it if they don't they don't well you don't know if people want to see it you just throw it out mm -hmm. there and true if, yeah if people want to look but yeah I, I would have that taken them i would take get, someone should take a look at that for a year well, I, was it with covid it, like I've, I've called the doctor it's gonna take a couple weeks to get in because it's not life-threatening and he's seen it before so it's i had a covid test yesterday 
Well, oh, yeah. Not because I have it. Uh, I'm I, like, I just because I've been traveling and I'm like, yep. I feel like I should know in case I, I have asymptomatic. Yeah. And that, like, you lit literally just went to this rec center in the southeast of Edmonton and you walk in and you walk out five minutes later. Like, it was so fast. And then they like shove that thing up your nose. Right. And they like hold it in there for three seconds. And it feels like you like jump, you know when you jump in the water and, wa and water goes up your nose? Yeah, yeah. But it, it feels like that. It's just, it's not painful. It's just really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you just have this weird feeling in the back of your nasal cavity for a little bit longer. But yeah, and then I'll know in the next day or two if I have asymptomatic COVID. But oh, you don't find out that day? Or you don't no. know? No. Oh, okay. They called you. So if they call you and it's a human on the end of the line, that's bad news. <laughs> that means that you have COVID um, and then you have to self-quarantine for 10 days and anybody that lives with you has to self-quarantine for two weeks. Right. Because it takes 14 days for symptoms to start showing. Right. So I could have gotten, I if I went somewhere after the test and like touched something and got it, I could still have it. But And that's like the scary part of it all. And that's why you have to continue. Even if you get told you don't have it, you still have to continue to like wash your hands and wear a mask and all this yeah. other stuff. But yeah, but it was kind of, I was just like, they were saying and anyone can get one. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go get one just to see. Well, especially yeah, because you were, you traveled out of province. Yeah. I mean, you were in Vancouver doing shows and you know, the right thing to do is if they're offering it, why not go get it done? It's yeah, awesome. exactly. That's the one thing about Canada that you have to admit that like, if there's a test that you want to get, you can just go and get it. And uh, it's like, you don't worry about things costing well, yeah, anything, of course. Really. I mean, I, I go to get I get my blood work done every time I go to the doctor, no matter what it is. I just always I get everything checked out for, you know, where it's like cholesterol and diseases and all that shit. So mm -hmm. it's just because you know syphilis. Yes, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Even though my brain has probably been shrinking, anyways. So <laughs> I should I should probably get that checked out. Well, I, I'll oh. I'll put a photo of that. Horrible. Don't show that. That's awful. It looks like a nipple. It looks like an infected nipple. It looks like something that should be out of the season two of Dr. Pimple Popper. Well, yeah. exactly. People love those Dr. Pimple Popper videos, so what's the big deal? Okay, well, now that we know that it's not your nipple, it's a little bit easier to take, but also right. probably more. I thought it was your nipple. I'm like, why? Oh, no. God. Your nipple. Because I got why it pierced. I got it pierced. Don't judge me. I have a, my, one of my best friends is a piercer and like, uh, the stories she has people. Like, well, what's, what's your favorite thing to pierce? Does she have one? What's I like the easiest? I wonder. I don't know. I, I mean, I'd, I'd have to ask for all these things, but like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I think, I think she's like went to pierce a guy's dick before and he had yeah. a boner and she's like, we're not doing this. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't think you can if you have a boner. Yeah. Well, I, I, don't know. I thought it's easier if you have a boner. <laughs> I have no idea. The ins and outs of piercing genitals. I think she said that, that genital piercings are easy, but really? But she said we were talking about people have like their uvula pierced. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. People have their uvulas pierced. People have like what else did she say that she's never done it, but like she's seen people that have it. And like, right. oh, because we were talking about tattoos, because I was like, I want to get an ejaculating penis on me somewhere. But I was like, maybe behind the ear, but you'd really see that. So I was like, maybe like on those weird lip ones. You don't right. want one here or anything like that? Or, <laughs> or I didn't. I can't. You're frozen right now. I can't see where you said. I oh. said I want a big giant dick up my neck, just coming. <laughs> well, no, you should have that on your thigh, so it's like shooting right into your vagina. Oh like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. That's your 
really funny. I just funny. want a cartoony little dick. I don't want like a big throbbing cock on my plate. Oh, well. <laughs> now, speaking of tattoos, you were in Vancouver and you saw the lady who has my tattoo I did. on her leg. It's weird. Like, I know I have people on my leg and it must yeah. be weird for them. Like, I have Molly Shannon and she saw it and she posted her, posted on Instagram and she messaged me and stuff. It was really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's got to be weird to see your face on somebody's body. Like, I, and now that I have these tattoos, I'm like, I bet you Gilda Radner would think I'm nuts. <laughs> well, you, you know, look, her and her friend Laura, they're such yeah. big Oh, they're the best. And they're so great. And they're so yeah. supportive. And I, the only reason I got to know them is because they went all the way to L.A. for the Canada show from Vancouver. Yeah. And they're tight with a, a comic out of L.A., a great comic named Chris Neff and Rouse. And, and yeah. so she has a whole bunch of other comics on her leg. Oh, yeah. So it's like I wasn't her first, but of course I was, you know, it's very nice, a gesture. Uh, it's that amazing. Someone, yeah, that someone likes my comedy that much and enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to be out there in October. I want to get a picture taken with it. And, oh, yeah. You know, it, but it's really, what's really funny is another comic who will re remain nameless got very upset that she got my picture on her leg. I want oh, that. Can... I want that comic to be right beside you. Uh, if 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 you ever have that, yeah. would be truly. That comic showed up at my shows in um, uh, at at the House of Comedy, and he he double kissed my cheeks, and I'm like, whoa, it's COVID. You can't just like go up. Yeah. People's cheeks. I don't know, but I, April is like one of the most amazing. Like there are just some people in, that I've met in the comedy world that are completely supportive. I have I have like people in different towns like I have a, a couple in Saskatoon that comes to every single show and buys right. everything they can for me and supports me in every way they can and right. April does that but tenfold she supports the Vancouver comedy scene like nobody else. she makes these books of every quarter like yeah pictures with her and all the comics and it's just like it's I mean it's awesome she's just she came to so many of my shows and I'm always like aren't you like sick of my jokes because like I'm sure I don't turn over that much and she's like no it's always fun and so yeah what, she's I, found, what I found is people who in that category even though you don't turn over as much material as you think you do one they actually do notice that you do jokes differently that's number yeah. one uh number two they love to see other people reacting because it almost they relive that first time yeah and when I was out there in Vancouver shooting that commercial and hanging out with them they went out three or four nights that week like I I convinced them to go see Glenn Wool at this little bar because they'd never seen Glenn and they wanted to and they went out and had dinner and they watched the show and it was great. Then the next night they went and saw you and that's why I was with them. Yeah. And we went to dinner and then went and saw you at the at the House of Comedy there. And it was just like, they are hardcore supporters of comedy. Almost like I was when I was in my late teens in music and concerts. Yeah. But, but they're not in their teens. They're like, they're in their 30s and 40s still going out that much, which is pretty impressive. And that's also why COVID crowds are great because um, I was talking with Lisa Baker. Sorry, you're not friends anymore, Dave. But I was talking with Lisa Baker about this. And because Oh, you cut out. Yeah, now everybody knows that whole not, we're not friends thing anymore. Cut out. I don't know what happened there. I don't know. Coming back soon. Now you're back. Now you're okay. back. Okay. Uh, Lisa headlined the Edmonton Yuck Yucks, and she said the same thing I felt, that it's comedy fans that are at the show. Yes. People right. that love comedy that are going out to see comedy. It's not just the people that are like, what are we going to do tonight? Let's just go to a comedy show. It's people that want to be there, and the crowds are 
very forgiving on like if your jokes don't hit or or if you forget a line like it's just their crowds are great right now because they're just so excited to be out and, and, and normally I don't like being a merch whore about things or, or, or about comedy and stuff but now is the time that if you do like a comic and they know and you know that they have any kind of merch it is the time to kind of step up and maybe buy because whether you realize it or not that $20 or that $15 if you know even five or ten people a week, that's extra money for that comic or performer or musician, indie musician, same thing. If you can spend that money and you can afford it, it really will make a difference. Because no I, had a few people, I had a few people when COVID started, they just were like, they just sent me money because they're like, I know that you're gonna be screwed. So and I love your yeah. comedy and I'm in a position and they it wasn't like huge amounts of money, but it was really it doesn't matter. Awesome. Like it's it's I it's really cool to have like it's weird to even think that you have fans in anything, but it's just really cool that like to see how supportive some people are, even if you're not famous or probably never will be, they, they really like your comedy and they just want to see you keep going. So it's very cool. Yeah, I know it is, it is sort of one of those, I mean, e even when like I've done appearances on podcasts before, or even the old radio show that we had and someone would come up to you and sometimes you forget how much of a reach that you might have as a comic. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I've had people come up after the old show or after this or whatever, and people come up to you and they'll mention something that you said on the show. And, and my first reaction is always, oh, my God, where did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, my, and then they're like, oh, the radio show. Then you're like, oh, yeah, I do that thing that I, where I talk about shit that I've lived through and people can reference it again. And you just kind of forget. And sometimes you just think, oh, I'm just talking to – Darren and Kathleen and, and Kenny. So it's it's a uh, it's always reassuring when people do acknowledge the work that you do, which is, is nice. But um, I mean, sometimes sometimes you forget that. I mean, I've I've had it where the people have reached out and they were you know they were sick and they listened to my comedy and helped them. And, or someone said, you know, my one one guy wrote me and his wife was dying of cancer and that they would listen to my comedy together near the end and it really kind of put a smile on her face and. And then so she said, please pull the plug. Yes, she did. She did. <laughs> please. Oh, and, yeah. and life, this is enough. And, but what I asked is, after the closer or before? Yeah. Um, Which but anyways, was it? Every, everyone's got that story. Everyone, I, I think you'd be heartless to not be like a smile on your face when you see those messages. And they are important. And I've even sent messages out to people during COVID that probably didn't expect it. And they were maybe a little more lovey-dovey. But it's important that you do say those things. Yeah. And I used my, I, I used my fan base for goodness, June. I, for June dresses, I raised $4,000 for this woman's shelter in Alberta. And I was like, I was just, I was just in shock. Like, cause I, my goal was 1500 yep. and people just kept donating and it was, it was awesome. So like, I, it is cool to know that you can, I can use my fan base. Like I don't have $4,000 to give this shelter. Right. You know, I have the ability to get people together and raise that money. And I think it's, it's crazy. Like I didn't, I was just pretty blown away by how many people donated this year. It was very cool. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I remember when I donated, it was only at about 1900 and you'd just pushed it to maybe 3000 or, or maybe it was 2000 at that point. It just was going up by 500. Yeah. I like this thing. I'm like, if I, like, if I set goals and I don't achieve them, I feel really bad. <laughs> so it's like, I'll just right. go slowly. And then I was at 3,800. And then this, this, uh, this friend of mine, He's he sent me a message. He's like, "You're at four thousand. He's like, "I don't like uneven weird numbers." So he donated the last two hundred, and it's just Perfect. like, and it and like I didn't even know about the charity before 
I started June dresses. Like I just asked a bunch of friends online, what are some Alberta female centric charities? And this one came up quite a lot and it's an amazing, uh, it's like the it's like a huge house now for battered women and their families and men even and it's the whole story of it is completely tragic because it's this girl who was trying to leave an abusive relationship and her husband murdered her and like you read the story on the website it's really crazy but it is also really I was just like so excited that I could do something with my uh, following that was for good and not evil. <laughs> well, in 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 Barrie, they're uh, they do a, f- a fair number of uh, comedy shows. A guy here named Ken Preston does a lot of benefit shows for this shelter here. And when I talk to him about the stories, I'm like, I didn't know that you know how hard up some of these are. Oh, and if awesome. you have if you have clothing, if you have toys, yeah. before you give them to Value Village, you can easily just call these places and yeah. donate directly sometimes to them. Because I'm not saying Value Village doesn't do a good job of getting rid of your, some of your stuff, but they're making up money on it. They're Value good. Village is owned by Walmart, right. and they do make a very good profit. They say they right. donate, but yeah, you're right. Like even this charity said, like you know, we're always looking for women's underwear. We're always looking yeah. for any even all mine. They're looking for clean women's underwear. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not choosy. Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Hi, it's me, Tom Papa from The Marriage Ref. You're listening to Anything Goes on XM Radio. It's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't care if you get it, bitch. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why that's why I did all my weight loss. I lost it my boobs and my ass. And I feel better. I feel better. I was gonna fuck you one night when we was out at the Maritimes. I said I ain't gave it Frosty looking good as a motherfucker. <laughs> then then when that strip up there teasing you, I said, Oh, you're daring me ready to go. Yeah. Darren ready to get turned out. Yep. <laughs> I'm surprised that we never actually hit a strip club up hit up a strip club in uh, when we were out uh east together. I, I would have I haven't been to one probably in like, uh, oh, like maybe five or six years, but. Yeah, I'm not a big fan right. of them. The reason we were there is because that was a venue we were playing, you know? And that's why we were in it, because it was actual, we, we performed at a strip club. So that's I why worked, we were there. I worked too hard to get my little bit of money to give it to hoes. <laughs> I got hoes that gave me babies I got to send money to. Any of the <laughs> other ones can drop dead. I don't care. That's like my cousin in Scotland took me to some strip joint, and I thought I was going to see, uh, I thought, you know, we said, let's go out. I thought I'd meet some Scottish bitches or something, right? So he takes me to a strip club, all these Russians. So I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to sit. And my, my cousin wound up marrying a stripper, though, right? A right. Scottish. So anyway, uh, the Russian girls come over, and I go, you don't need to sit here. You ain't going to make no money with me. Because just like that, you throw me away like I'm garbage, just like that. And then I said, well, ain't nobody invites you. <laughs> you know, and then another one, um, what else? I, uh, then the, the, uh, another Russian stripper says, you're a big, mean man. You are very scary. I said, not scary enough to stop you from coming over here and trying to sit down and get my money. <laughs> and, then, um, and then one says, I need to get the money to send home to Russia. And I says, uh, it's Christmas next week. I need to keep my money to go home to Canada with. And then was he's very hard in Russia. So I said, did I tell you about how it was for the black man in 400 years of being in America? So <laughs> I didn't want to hear my trash, but you know, 
They didn't get no money from me. Uh, do you do you think uh, Kanye's actually going to run, Kenny? He can run, but don't nobody care about Kanye. After he said slavery was a choice and put on that MAGA hat, right. he lost right. his ghetto pass. I don't know. I still see a lot of support for him on there. Like, there's some diehard fans, and it's like, you really are supporting him still? Not but enough that are going to vote for him. Not enough okay. is going to hurt Biden. Well, I think I saw a theory that I think that it, it's, it might hurt Biden more than it would do anything. Oh. oh yeah. He gave up on him. Well, first of all, first of all he, can't, he, can't even, he can't even be president or um, he can't even run because six states he's already missed a date. Isn't that true? There, there's yes. um, there's yes. dates that he's missed, so he can't even run in six states. O.J. Simpson would get more votes. <laughs> do you think? Do you think? I know was? so. At least he, at least he got rid of that cave woman he had. But no, Kanye. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's. that's <laughs> no, I mean, but I mean, you know, Kanye. The, the community is basically, you know, go to Marsha, Marsha Warfield's page. She say, sit your ass down. Ain't nobody thinking about Kanye. You know, and nobody is. And it's almost an insult for people to think that, well, all the blacks are going to vote for Kanye now. No. Obama won because Obama had white people liking him. Plus, Obama was a Kanye's a loose cannon. Yeah. Does, does he have an album coming out, though, too? Yes. This, yeah, so this is all just a big promotional thing for whatever. We'd rather see Carmen run. At least Carmen's out there trying to do something for the people. If we're gonna if we're gonna vote right. for a black musician, Killer Mike might get more votes. Oh yeah, you know, yes. You yes. know, it's it's silly, silly white people that think that blacks are gonna line up to vote for them, for Kanye, Kanye West. <laughs> okay, oh, Kenny said it. Kenny said it. Um, you know what? Whenever I've had, I've never been like I've always thought he's a really talented musician and everything, yes. but. I, him yeah. himself makes me annoyed and frustrated. And the, the guys that will always defend him to me are male comedians, white male comedians in their 30s because they love him and they'll always defend him no matter what. And I'm like, guys, like this guy, he's a bad person. His wife is, is they're egomaniacs. They're crazy. This whole time, she's the whole pandemic, she's been hawking her stuff and being like, yeah. look at how rich we are. Now buy some stuff for me and then I'll donate. But only if you buy it for me will I donate. And they're just bad people. They're just the Trumps, basically. They're the you, same know who I don't, you know who I really don't like? White male comics in their 30s. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like to talk to them. I don't like to give them rides in my car. No. I don't even ask if I can get a joint from them. <laughs> not one, not one single one. I'm sure if you gave me a list, I could put, I could pick out some that are all right. <laughs> but you know, over, overall, overall, uh, they, I, they, they're just annoying. You know, well, name yeah. me some. I'll tell you if I'm down with them. Like Sean Lacomber. I don't know him. Okay. I mean, I know him, but I don't know him enough to say yay or nay. Yeah, I yeah. like his cowboy shirts, but he's from Alberta. Jay, Jay Brown used to buy them when he was out there. So you cannot <laughs> judge a man by his cowboy shirt. No, <laughs> and he doesn't wear those anymore. He just has a headshot that's 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so he spends his money on drugs instead of new headshots? Yeah. <laughs> or has he got babies he's got to feed and, and got, got babies. Okay, got babies. see, and he's up there taking care of his children? Yeah. Yeah, then, then he's a good man, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. Lacombra, you I know for a fact you would like Lacombra. You'd like his comedy. We talked about him before, you just don't remember. I just remember the cowboy shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Because, you know, there's always going to be a list of, but I know what you're saying in that, that 30s white comic kind of category. I mean, I was one. You're, you know, you're grinding it out. You think you're perfect. You think everything you said, say is gold. You have, you have no repercussions on what or any idea of... Hey, I knew it. Ron Vaudry and, and Glenn Foster and my good friend Chris Finn. I knew a whole generation of white comics that was in their 30s, and they're not like these ones now. Right. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot more entitlement, I think, that that, uh, that 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 comes with a lot of the or or anger that isn't motivated by anything real, you know, just a lot of like a fake sort of phony anger because they think that that's what they're supposed to do at that age. I got an angry message from a comic that because I posted, if you want spots, you have to ask for them. You have to right. do the work. You can't just sit. I saw that post. Yep. And then and then somebody messaged me and said well, they're just not putting enough women on the shows here and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, then book your own shows or keep asking. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I went to Yuck Yucks for six months every weekend and asked for a guest spot and they told me to fuck off. Literally yeah. fuck off. Mm-hmm. And, okay, and then, we're back? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you are. And then Wait, like... I was same assistant. <laughs> which okay, was we're back. Me, and I just said, you know, like, you know... I know you think it's really tough for you, but it was tougher for the girls ahead of you and it was tougher for the girls ahead of them. Like, you need to... I'm sorry, who's mad at you? Oh, there's a comic that just sent me a big long DMs and then she's like, well, I think you're a trailblazer and stuff. And I'm like, but but none of the girls ahead of us would have... Kathleen froze. Yeah. (laughs) What her her main point is, is that, you know, she was... She posted something on Facebook saying that comics if you want something you've got to ask for it like spots because they're not just going to call you up anymore and ask you to do spots if you want to get out there you've got to get out there and grind it out that's pretty much what she was saying yeah some people were kind of saying to her like you know they don't put enough women on shows i'm just backing up what you said kathleen because you got out for a sec and you know it's funny like when i look at all the young comics i helped and i've said this you know way too many times it's always because they came out and Mm -hmm. i saw them come out so you know, Kathleen, that one weekend with Terry Clement, you and uh, I want it came out like to three or four shows in a row. And, you know, like Bobby Mayer was coming out to all the shows all the time. And, but they you know, got comics too, that. so you don't mind helping them out because they're bad dudes. They're bad comics. They got, they got some riffs. Of course. But you, yeah. before I knew they had riffs, I knew that they were you know, at least putting in the work. Because I hadn't seen either Andrew or Kathleen do stand-up at that time. Yeah. But when I saw them come out to four shows in a row, I'm like, they're taking this serious. And or they want to fuck the bartender. <laughs> Maybe. Or fuck either one of you guys. Oh, no. fuck off. No. I'm no. just saying, this possibilities are endless no. on who you can fuck. No, no. 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 We so ain't got that Dave and- Martin rap going down. Neither no. We <laughs> ain't got that Dave Martin player player thing happening. Yeah, me and Terry Clement, we were the unfuckable people. When it comes to telling a joke, but you sure know how to talk a bitch into giving you some pussy. That's one thing cannot be said to anybody else. Well, you're not wrong. You're blessed. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I'm not proud about being right either, though, so. (laughs) We save our talking for the stage. Dave said, I'm only on stage to get the T-U-S-S-Y. So (laughs) it don't matter if I say it on or off. Well, I... (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. Have I upped the danger uh, quota in your in your, in your podcast a little bit in the past no. ten minutes? No. no. Okay. It's fine. It's totally fine. But if I have a like, if I'll see a comic come and do a, a guest spot, 
on a weekend I'm headlining, if they take off uh, right after, I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to ask to work with them. Like, they don't care. They just care about getting their five minutes and then running off to an open mic where there's nobody to watch them. I'm yeah. past the point of caring if they'd stay or if they go. Yeah, I, like, I don't, it's not a big deal. But also, like, I learned so much because when I started, I literally went to Yuck Yucks every weekend and I watched all the comics. Mm-hmm. And I saw the really great ones and I saw the really bad ones and I learned something from all of them. And I got to know them. So when I moved to Toronto, I knew all the Toronto headliners. So they all welcomed me. I got spots easily. It's just like the whole like networking part of comedy doesn't really exist as much anymore. Maybe it's more online now. Maybe the networking happens more online than at shows. But nobody hangs out anymore. It's just like well, people, are, people have so many it's social media. Now people are hanging out with people that don't like them just because there might be some stage to get on now from what right. I've read. Right. 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 Well, I, I think there's so many ways that like that comics can feel like they're professional comics without even getting on stage very often. I mean, if you have a uh, if you have uh, enough Instagram followers or enough Twitter followers, you can feel like you're a comedian. And, or even if you live in a city like Toronto, you can go out and do a whole bunch of spots and not get paid for them, but then still feel like you're a, a comic after all that no. time. And then you feel no, like you're. I don't get paid. That don't make me feel like I'm a comic. No, but I'm I'm saying like I'm saying that the the clueless many that are out there that feel like that they just deserve shit because they've been doing it for ten years, but then they're complaining to people that have been doing it for fifteen or twenty years, right. and it's all those people that just were thought, oh well, just for laughs, you just call me, or yeah. when there were like TV shows around like Comedy Now or something like that, people were like they should just call me. It's like, well, why don't you call them? Well, they should just call me. You know, I got just for last because I messaged him. case, though, nobody deserves more than Joel Friedman. He's been sticking around the comedy scene since I first came to Toronto back in 1981 or something. Yeah. Right? Your internet connection is unstable. So is my mind. Well, <laughs> yeah. go ahead, Kathleen. What did you say about JFL? I got just for last because um, I messaged Zoe. I sent her a message and I said, I really think I could do it this year and like she then she sent me a message she's like well where are you from and I said like she knew her but she was like what city are you from and I said Edmonton and then, and then I got the Edmonton spot that year right I think like it really helps I mean don't be fucking annoying and email every day constantly but I'm doing rumors this weekend and I have been working to get into that club for you've five been working years. a long time yeah for yeah, years exactly. to try to get See, in my problem is uh they've been telling me no so long I stopped asking right yeah <laughs> you know, the yeah, last time, so many times you've been asked. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, the last uh, you know, to me, one of the most degrading things was when I went to Rumors. Uh, they had a comedy competition. You had to pay to be in, and uh, and uh, uh, Bud Freeman was there, and you had to pay in U.S. dollars from the watch you. And uh, I went there with hand in hat, you know, my hat, my hand base. And this is after I'd hosted the Juno, uh, the, the the Gemini's, Gemini's yeah, and all this other shit, and. Uh, and uh, it was, I was treated with, you know, not even by Bud. I mean, you know, Bud's just there to grab that American money at each location you can go to it onward, you know, hold his puppy and have his monocule in. But uh, just the, 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 the lack of respect that was shown, I said, I cannot grovel and I will not grovel any longer. So, uh, and I've had some brilliant material I've written since then that oh, yeah. uh, I could have had all kinds of shows and deserved it. But, um, as they said in the wire, when one person was about to get murdered, I don't deserve this. And they said, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah. So uh, I stopped, uh, I stopped, you know, I, with young comics, I tell them, you know, all you can do is keep punching and, and keep hating. But uh, please don't bring up deserve because deserve ain't got nothing to do with this. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Well, and too, like, I think it, like, that's something that you, you start to feel the longer you've been in it. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll try for these things, but if they don't want me, then they don't want me. I'm not going to put myself through. Like, well, right. you know, for a lot, for a lot for me is that, and why I stopped chasing a lot of it is you only have so much time in the day. Are you going to concentrate on where you're wanted and you can make money or where you're not wanted and you keep bashing your head against a wall? Not that's wanted. That's not yeah. wanted. That's what I'm going to keep doing. Right. I'm a little bit frosty because you keep finding places where we're wanted. Right. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to concentrate on. You know, we can name a bunch of clubs that that love Dave or love Kathleen or love you and they hate me. And that's fine. But mm -hmm. I'm just not going to try to go there. That's all. And if I hear one of my friends get a booking there, I'm actually happy for them. Yeah. You know, like I'm no fan of rumors, but I know that Kathleen has worked for years uh, to try to get in there and done the legwork. So great that they're opening it up and letting her have a week. That should be rewarded. Do I want to play there? No. Does I like that to play nobody there should? It's my hometown, but I, know, I never really even asked the new owners. I did one, one spot there when my aunt died and I was in town for her funeral. Right. And I said, well, let me let me run down to this club and do 10 minutes before I bury my aunt. You know, so I ran in there and then I never bothered to contact. It wasn't like they grabbed right. me. Hey, we've been wondering how we can get a guy like you. Because another comic of my generation, they just told him, uh, you're just too damn old for our clientele. Right. So uh, with me being the same age as him and uh, him being cleaner than me, and I always got to think of, you know, well, they're dirty, yes. what holds me out. So if I'm old and dirty then, you know, uh, and they're not letting the clean and dirty. And so, uh, you know, don't waste your time. But I can, I still believe I'm going to do something uh, creatively that's going to bypass all their shit. Right. And they're going to, you know, and they'll say, yo, can we get you in here? You know, but except for, uh, and I'll go, yeah, I'd like to, because the truth is I would like to. Right. Yeah. right. There's only one club, uh, one owner in this country I have no desire to pay other uh, play for. They, I will never be broke enough to take their gig and they'll never have enough money to pay me. And, uh, you know, and other than that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll still go gig with anybody, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. But I just say I'm not hurting my knuckles on them doors that don't hear me knock. Well, we'll just find another gig for you in the nation's capital. I've always said that, um, you know, uh, when it comes to Winnipeg, that festival, every year that they don't have you there is wrong. And I don't know if you remember this or not, Kenny, but when I got the festival my first time, I almost got a shirt made that said, where's Kenny, that I was going to wear on one of the non-gala nights. And you actually talked me out of it. No, I, I love you and you always got my back, but I don't need you jump in front of a bullet when ain't nobody shooting. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> then right. there he is. Pow! It could have just stayed down there, right. you know. <laughs> so, like I've got nothing. I've got nothing against John Wing. John Wing is a great comic. He's perfect for television, and he does that festival every year, and that's great. But don't tell me there isn't a way that they can find you, one of the greatest comics this country's ever produced, in your hometown for a festival. It's just ridiculous. I mean, just for last, had Mike McDonald for almost thirty years, and then kicked him to the curb. There's no reason why you couldn't have had that run. But yeah, it just kicked me to the curb. I'll take that. Right. <laughs> even, even the dogs don't like it. Even the dogs <laughs> are pissed off. I thought, I thought that was Bill Connor sicking them dogs on me again. <laughs> now, know. I wanted to ask you, Kenny, uh, a couple days ago, a comic from the States called uh, Daniel Dugar posted uh, posting about do people think Chappelle is the new prior? Yeah, I got in that one. And you got into that, and there was a lot of people saying yay or nay. And uh, just kind of sum up, what is your opinion about that? 
I think Pryor, I think that, I think Pryor's the greatest comic there ever was, but I do think that Dave Chappelle is the greatest comic living. Right. Um, you know, it's so, it, in 40 years when I'm dead, will, uh, will comics still be quoting uh, Chappelle the way I'm quoting uh, Pryor jokes from 1975? You know, yeah. time will tell. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, is, is Chappelle uh, the greatest of all time? I don't know. I got to say Pryor is. Right. I think, but 40 years from now, well, how many comics are going to be easy? You know, it was Chappelle that made me want to do this. So, um, you know, Miles Davis said, uh, you judge, uh, you grade me. You don't grade musicians. And yep. I think it's, you know, it's, but it's almost sad how nobody even says Chris Rock is the greatest of all time. Well, that was, that's where I was going to go. Cause for me, don't get me wrong. I think Chappelle is amazing, yeah. but I, I love Chris Rock more because he's a little more vicious and more pointed and faster paced. And we've talked about this before. Yeah. For me, Chappelle sometimes is a little too slow paced for me, but Chris Rock, when he stalks that stage, that's, that's the thing that I love. So plus um, Chappelle, uh, I mean, uh, Chris Rock had that bit about, uh, Maybe it's act like books is kryptonite, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that is a line that 20, 25 years down the road is still, you know, on my deathbed, I'm going to say to my son, are you reading? He's going to say, no. I'll say, you act like books is kryptonite. I'm still going to have that in my head, in my dying breath. Kryptonite, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's you know, Chris Rock is at that level, but uh, Chappelle, uh, you know, boldly goes where uh, where no other comic has gone before. And you can say, well, you know, Pryor's a destructive personality. Probably he's prevented him from being greater. His right. health prevented him from being greater. Yes. Well, you know, he was all wrapped up in that multiple sclerosis when, yep. uh, when Carlin was banging out those last three or four uh, legendary HBO shows. Now, my man Rich has been healthy and, and still able to function full strength. Who knows? But you can't go on. What if? What if the horse I bet $100 on had won? Mm -hmm. But it didn't. So all we got is, you know, uh, you know, what we got is what we got. So, um, I, you know, definitely I think Chappelle is the new bar to judge everything else by. Well, I think Chappelle's had a lot more specials. Hasn't he, hasn't he put out more material than Richard Pryor? Mm. I mean... I don't I know mean, about that. Well, I think more material that's more accessible now. Not accessible as in it's easier to relate to, but just it's on Netflix and it's on all these other platforms. Right, right. Right. Don't forget, the, the first live-in concert Pryor did was until like 1977, 78. Right. So before that, you just had to basically go to an album and right. you had to figure out, imagine when he was acting all this stuff out on stage, what it looked like. Right. But there you was know. that one special that he did. Was it Live and Smoking, where it's like from the early 70s? And he's yeah, at, I think the it was at the at the improv. He was just, well, that wasn't even supposed to be a special. Yeah. You know, that's when, Pete, when, when the video cameras were new and somebody taped them and he's like picking his nose and he's, people are walking out. Yeah. So that was just footage that somebody said, let's make some money on it. Well, yeah, I know that's that's the special where he has the men, the, the the restaurant that he's in. I think there's a menu behind him on the yeah, wall. Yeah, that was that was like Catch or something like that. That was yeah. Yeah, I think there was like Catch a Rising Star or somewhere. There's well, there's one part of that my favorite part. It wasn't even where, a special. Yeah. You, know, you I, called it a special, but it wasn't a special. It was he, uh, he, he, he goes off. Out. Yeah, he, he goes off on a rant on that, and it doesn't go over that well. And there's two cameras set up, and he just kind of purposely looks over at the other camera and just does one of these. <laughs> and um, it's one of those moments of just like, well, yeah, it's like my, my favorite albums are the ones where some jokes don't even hit that well, 
whether it's George Carlin or, or, or Pryor or like the idea that you have to, it's always funny when I see comics doing specials in these big theaters, but then if you ever go see them live, it's going to be in a club. I just wish I could see more specials in clubs rather than in these well, big theaters that you don't go to, that you're not going to see them in. And, anyway. and, and that wasn't even, and what that was, that was, a, that was at a point in his development, because if you watch that one, you'll see the material that became that nigga's crazy. This is something I said. You can see the early beginnings of that material. Yeah. So of course it's not finished. It'd be right. like if we showed a tape from you from seven years ago and try to call it a special. Ain't a special. It was right. something that you recorded when you, you know, and then later on, oh, that's what you, you'll see the roots of some of his biggest, of some of his better hits. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So no, I, I saw that. And, you know, I, I, like I said, Chappelle, I think is, uh, is the bar that, uh, er, that all things are, are to be measured, at least for me. Well, so there's one, one thing I wanted to ask you about. Do you have something before I go on to something else, Dave? Or? No, I was just going to say one time that we, one time Darren and I, when we were in Ottawa, uh, we interviewed Jesse Joyce who's done a bunch of specials or no, not specials, but uh, he's done a bunch of the roast master writings and he's written for a lot of roasts and stuff. And, and he was, he was Greg Giraldo's writing partner. Right. Yeah. Hope and he, he didn't kinda, write that suicide. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, I mean, well, Jesse still says it was from partying that Greg died from partying too hard and it wasn't really a suicide, yeah. but which I sort of tend to agree, but because everything was going so well in Geraldo's life at that time. But Jesse said something that was kind of interesting, that he was just like, he said that a lot of comics just say that Richard Pryor is this influence on them. Right. Because they feel like they have to. Yes. He's sort of like this Mount Rushmore of comedy. And Jesse was sort of like, <coughs> I wasn't that influenced by Richard Pryor. Uh, I mean, I, I respect the guy and, you know, I, I like him for everything that he's done, but it just feels like a lot of comics feel like they have to say hmm. he was one of my influences when... You know, it's like every time that you see a remote, like there was some guy that went to a concert and he went up to people with T-shirts on and he actually asked them, hey, can you name uh, a band? Can you can you name an album by this band that you have a T-shirt on? And then people, most people were like, uh, no. I, I just fucking like hate people like that, though. God damn it. I hate that. That's my most, I hate when people are like, can you even name a song by that person? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm wearing their shirt. What do you want me to do? I fucking hate people that do that. No, but it was more like someone saying, hey, Richard brought Flyers, my favorite comic, and I can't name one of his albums. You know, it's like... It's oh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, see, I don't wear no T-shirt of somebody I'm not in love with. You yeah. know, it's like when B.B. King died, somebody said, how many of y'all even know anything besides the thrill is gone? Yeah. So I went off and then, like listed like, you know, I was almost trying to pull out my albums to take pictures. I'm like, this one and 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 this one. But I mean, you know, they, hey, you either dig them or you don't. I mean, for, for me, Pryor was much more than just maybe want to do stand-up. Yeah. Um, I discovered Pryor... I became a prior junkie in uh, the fall of uh, 1976. I just started going to University of Winnipeg, and I thought I was going to become a lawyer. And you know, I was doing political science, and also also got into the drama thing, right? But I was in this bar called the Gay Cavalier uh, in Winnipeg, and uh, maybe I shouldn't have been wearing leather pants and a leather jacket, but I was. <laughs> and uh, and there's a country band playing there, and this uh, this woman come over and says. Uh, you should leave because my wife, because my friends don't like niggers. So I said, well. And then this guy come over and says, what that lady say to you? And I says, lady, I wasn't speaking to any lady. He says, my friend. I said, so anyway, these bikers chased me out. 
And on the way out, they go get moving super fly. And I went, I was mad. I never wanted a handgun before that moment. And I said, man, I wish I was shaft. I wish I was, I'd shoot them mother. And I wish I could have kicked their bikes over. I would have gotten beaten to death. Sure. And they would have said, he kicked the bikes over. And the police would have said, well, you don't kick bikers' bikes over, Mr. Dead Man. So anyway, I became so paranoid. I wouldn't go anywhere where bikers were going to be. And what I started doing was I started hanging out downtown near the university. But I, I started hanging out on places where all the pimps and the hoes would hang out. So I started just uh, hanging out with the worst possible black people I could find. Yeah. None of the others that were going to school to become educated. Nah, they wasn't fun. But the you know the the more criminal base they were, the more uh, I embraced it. And then uh, I heard that niggas crazy. And uh, what what it did for me was it took away the hurt of the word. It it, it took away the sting because when they said some niggas never get burnt up in buildings. And then I think about when I, you know, when I seen somebody, a bunch run out of a theater because somebody pulled a gun. Or I thought about the guys that my, friends of my father's, that uh, however James Brown was wearing his hair at that time, they are wearing their hair at that time. These are grown ass men with five, six children. Yeah. Uh, I think about the friends that I had in grade six that called me Kenuff, K-E-N-N-U-F. Yo, Kenuff. And uh, they would wear red pants and the see-through socks that all the pimps would wear. So when, you know, so Pryor just brought, uh, for me, he brought back all the things that I loved about my people and my culture and the friends I had and the people that have been kind and the beautiful, you're like, like Darren, that time we were in Detroit and you stopped at that gas station. Oh yeah. Right? Well, oh, see, yeah. That was, to me, that is just the beauty of what the, of, of what the people is. Yeah. I said, nigga fuck, you yeah. know, that's just that, you know, and, and, and even the strolls down to my son. Now, if a black woman calls him baby, if it's like, if it's a restaurant and, and the waitress says, and what you gonna have baby, that motherfucker stared her so long. He forget what he want to eat. He just falls in love with the sound of that voice calling him baby. And, well, yeah, know, just so everyone knows. I mean, we went to uh, Detroit cause Kenny wanted to shop for some clothes. And he went and he got all these great suits and like all this amazing, like it was just amazing to go in these stores and he bought these suits. And before we crossed the border, still in Detroit, we stopped at a gas station and there's bulletproof glass everywhere. And it's like, they're all behind, like you can't even get near any employee. And literally that's what they were screaming. They were screaming at each other, what Kenny said. And I'm just waiting. And after them screaming these obscenities at each other, the woman just turned and said, what do you want, baby? Like this to me. And I was just like, I just want Rocky a candy bar. Kleenex out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want a candy bar. I just, can I get this candy bar and not yell that? Don't yell that word at me. Don't, don't yell that word at me, please. Oh, yeah. And, they was MF in this and N in that and MF in oh, this. Oh, they were just going off. At each other. And I'm like, this would never happen in Canada because someone would write a letter saying employees said these words to each other, you know? And I Wait, was what? like, this was, when was this? It was like, Eight years ago. When they still had the Windsor Or did we drive from London that day? We drove from London because we taped we taped my we had with us at night. Was that another time? No, that was that weekend, but he didn't come to Detroit because he was scared. Oh, and he had that he had that Che Guevara beard and I said, I ain't taking you across no mm -hmm. border with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that was an eye-opening experience driving through the streets of Detroit like that. I never like the lights weren't working, like cross lights, they're all broken, and you just you just go. They didn't wow. have potholes. They had shell holes from, you know, pew. Like, yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe it. Garbage everywhere. You know, decrepit homes. I mean, so, you know, like, 
because I'm close to the edge. Yeah. yeah, it was it was that song. That was the video for that song, man. You know, it was it was crazy, and I and it was an eye opening experience. And it's like you know when I talk to my kids, I'm like. Let's go online and you can see pictures of, like I showed pictures of Vancouver and that one area of Vancouver, like Maine and Hastings. And you see pictures of that and they just can't comprehend that people live like that or their, their streets, even in a metro city like that. Yeah, well, seeing stuff on video does not do it justice. Cause no, even, no. Even when I've been through Detroit before, and you just, I mean, you know, as a, as a, as a white kid from Toronto, there's stuff that I saw that I was sort of like, I've only seen this on TV and you almost think, man, this, this, this is real. This is like, yeah. uh, this is like, I'd, I'd only find this, you know, watching a movie or something like that. And it's, See, I was lucky because I had Detroit comics when I play Windsor and come across, yeah. you know, let's go eat. Like Big Daddy Fitz would take me shopping for hats. So he took me to some hat stores I would never have thought of going because I couldn't see signs saying back to Canada is how far we were. Yeah. yeah. It's like a runaway slave uh, with, with, without a map, you know? It was like, is it safe over here? You know? And uh, so I started wandering further and further from my, uh, from my usual uh, hunting spots. Or uh, another comic took me to Mexican town, which I hadn't gone to. And the big Mexican food buffet, I got to go back again. And then, uh, you know, the guys like Bonner, you know, or uh, uh, Fitz was probably the best guy for taking me somewhere. Like, uh, in, like uh, IHOP in Detroit. You wait 30 minutes for them to come to your table to give you a menu. Then you wait 30 minutes for them to come back ask you if you want coffee. Then you wait another 20 minutes for them to come back and take your order. And by that time, you've seen uh, two shootings, uh, uh, a marriage, and a whole prom roll up uh, with uh, everybody wearing matching tuxes and gowns. And then they finally bring you your uh, your, your your pancakes and and uh, with uh, not Aunt Jemima, it's just, uh, just syrup. Uh, different flavor syrups, and uh, and then you wait another two hours to get your bill, and you spend the day having breakfast. And it's loud, and it takes slow, and I'm going like, man, we need to send some staff here to teach y'all how to serve properly. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, Kenny, because you brought up Aunt Jemima, <laughs> and there's this this growing... So I've, I've talked to a couple of people in the last week, and they keep on defending the name Aunt Jemima, and they keep on bringing up the idea that the family behind Aunt Jemima was happy that it was still there. And it's almost this idea of, even if we use that as a fact, does one family's income or feelings trump a whole nation who wants it to change? Well, Aunt Jemima has been an embarrassment to a lot of black people for a long time. Right. I remember reading in Malcolm X's, the autobiography of Malcolm X, he was saying how he uh, watched Gone with the Wind and uh, didn't didn't say, it was both, I think it was mostly, uh, Butterfly McQueen that he had issues with. I don't know nothing about birthing no babies, but he said he slumped down in his yeah. seat from the embarrassment of it. So, um, you know, the fact that they want it, well, sure. Why wouldn't they want it? They also tried to sue for $2 billion worth of uh, uh, royalties they never received, and they couldn't prove that they were actually her family. Uh, and then it was a lie. She died a millionaire. She didn't die a millionaire. Since when in those days were they paying black people a million dollars for anything? Right. Jackie right. Robinson didn't make no million dollars. Jesse Owens did. So for right. sure there's some old man. And then people don't really get the, the, the concept of where the, the image of the mammy came from. You know, it was originally from a minstrel show. But if you know anything about, if you've done any reading about the mammies, mammies were the black women that were left to babysit for master's children. They yeah. breastfed them. 
That's right. Pull up that big old black titty and feed little white master. And then they did that when they weren't, you know, trying to stop the master from raping them, which, you know, masters were allowed to do because they was masters. And then after, you know, fending off rapists and breastfeeding babies that weren't theirs uh, and doing, then they had to go and make you some motherfucking pancakes. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's an outdated image that, uh, has outlived its purposes. Uh, 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 Land of Lakes Butter has re has uh, removed the the Aboriginal maiden off the package of their butter a year ago. Yes. Um, you know, somebody said the uh, cream of wheat brother don't even got a name. <laughs> well, yeah. what's funny about him is just he had a bow tie and he had a, a chef's hat on, which is sort of like that's just a job. I don't know why people are kind of. I mean, you can say what you want about Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima, but the cream of wheat guy. He just had a chef's hat on and, and, a, and a bow tie. But I mean, I, I can see how someone could say, oh, well, that's, he's obviously serving or. or, or yeah, it's still the hired help. Yeah. Yeah, Chef Boyardee, though. Yeah, Chef Boyardee may have owned his own restaurant. We know them people did. Right. So, <laughs> but you know, but it, nobody's trying to remove Famous Amos from his cookie package. We're cool with Famous Amos. Right. Have you but seen the new series Hollywood on Netflix? I watched a bit of it, but my lady friend does not like to watch all that uh, fuckery. There's a lot of sex in it, which was my main reason for watching it. But it's actually really good. There's a great storyline, and it's like it's basically about Hollywood just after World War II. And yeah. the thing is that they this black man writes a script, and then they end up making it with a black leading lady, which is like what in Hollywood? Right. And it's really really good. Like I I mean I haven't finished it yet, but it's good. Yeah. It was funny that like after when the Aunt Jemima thing was going on, it seemed like there was a there's sort of a a, a a right wing narrative that they were trying to build with this, and it was really someone had just basically cut and paste, and, and all, everyone else was doing it on their on their Facebook pages about trying to make uh, the Aunt Jemima character out to be this entrepreneur that <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah was like uh, oh she was and, a cook she went she to was the, a, she was a family's cook. And they paid her for personal. But uh, when she died, uh, there was a segregated uh, cemetery that her family had to fight to get her buried in. And they buried her way the hell on the outskirts of it. And uh, they only allowed in-ground tombstones. So uh, for about 90 years, nobody had an idea where she was buried. Not 90 years, but close to that. Nobody even had an idea where, right. you know. So does that sound like how millionaires are buried? Uh, right, yeah. Well, there's a lot of memes going around too. Like there were no white people in the Bible. Jesus was not white. Like mo more than likely, he was like a was Middle Eastern man. Oh, oh man, there, there, there is a clip on Fox News where the uh, one of the lead um, people on Fox is interviewing uh, the main guy behind Black Lives Matter, and they get into about the fact that Jesus was black, and he just wouldn't let it go, and it was great. Like he's like, but you know, he was he was black, right? Well, we know he was from the Middle East, but you know that he was black. It's a very good clip of like you have to watch it because she's not willing to go. Yes, he was. Well, obviously he's from the Middle East. That he's not white. Like he's literally yeah. not letting it go. He's great to see. He didn't look like a white people. They weren't what? white people in the Bible. No, <laughs> but no. people have turned that story into their story. Like yes. 
They do so many times. It wasn't. Hey, the, remember when JJ on Good Times drew the black Jesus and he yes, the wino as his model, and and his daddy was gonna whoop him, and Florida was gonna make him move out of the house, and and how dare you? Because this is our Jesus, and oh yeah, it's, it's insane. I remember talking. Go, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. No, I, I remember that. I remember that episode of Good Times, and then mm -hmm. everybody, and then like was it like two family members came in and they had great news, or it was like. Like once the once the painting got up on the wall, it was like both there was like two family members that came in through the door of the house and then had like amazing news, and it was just this weird sort of moment of just like, well, did this happen just because we put this black yeah. Jesus up on the wall? Or, or yeah. I mean, I was surprised it was that Don Cheadle showed up in that uh, clip from the Golden Girls that has been floating around on, on online, uh, where. Uh, was it uh, the Rue McClanahan character? Puts yeah, up a flag she's and... Daughters of the Confederation or some shit like that. Yeah, and then Don Cheadle, yeah, and then Don Cheadle comes in and, and sort of gives her the gives her the business and um, gives her the business. What are you seventy? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how he gets the pussy. Yeah, he yeah, gives her the business. That's how he gets. That's how he gets the business. Yeah, <laughs> that's my demographic. The, Girls with granddaddy issues. <laughs> but. <it> was, <laughs> But it, I like in that one scene where, where sort of like then the Don Cheadle character leaves and then one of the white women says to Rue McClanahan, oh, you should hold on to that one. He's one of the good ones. Yeah. Which I think I think easily that, I think every time that Candace Owens leaves the room that there's a, a guy that turns to someone else and goes, she's one of the good ones as well. Right, it's, right. It's, I, I mean, I know who Candace Owens, I think it still works for Turning Point USA, which is owned by, Char I think, Charlie Kirk is a bunch of, who's a white supremacist or uh, he's like a big Republican. And uh, so it's, I mean, you always have to look where people are, are getting paid to find out what they get their opinions from. But yeah. I think a lot of people that don't get attention turn to the right-wing media and start being a right-wing media talking head. Like, look at Nicole Arbor, look at Candace Owens. They weren't getting attention in just the comedy world. So they're like, oh, I'm controversial. Yeah, well, Nicole Arbor got 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 recognition for picking on chubby girls. So yeah. she, I mean, you know, that's what that's what got her invited on the View, and then Joy and Whoopi took their earrings out and took their shoes off and went at her. <laughs> uh, so, but now know, she's like pushing. Yeah, yeah, she's pushing the right big time now. Yeah, well, but why wouldn't she? She's a she's a uh, she is what she is. She came. They named the football stadium after one of her grandfathers in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. You know, and but uh, I like what you know that Nicole better hope Dini never starts talking about what she knows. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, they were very good friends, and now they're Until not they friends wasn't. at all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, now, I want to ask you because quickly, Kenny, about so everybody, there's this talk about taking statues down and then putting those statues in museums. What do you think about that? I hate to see any statues torn down. They tore down uh, uh, Frederick Douglass in Rochester this yeah. weekend. So uh, if you're going to tear down statues, I guess you can't just tear down Christopher Columbus and not uh, Frederick Douglass. I remember 25 years ago, maybe 30, in Buffalo, they spray painted uh, the, the statue of Martin Luther King. And uh, then they had this. They uh, had to use uh, pressure uh, cleaners to take it off, and it chipped away a lot of the a lot of the facade of them. So as my junkie uh, Vietnam vet Vietnam vet friend Tommy Cox says, now he looked like Yappy Cotto. So, uh, <laughs> so 
So uh, I prefer uh, them being museums as opposed to vandalism. See, but, you know, my whole thing is, well, you know, leave them up, but build some new statues. You know, there's a black woman that dressed as a man so she could fight in the Civil War on the side of the Union. Right. Put right. them up. Right. Uh, you know, or I like the whole idea of uh, building uh, uh, statues of, uh, of anti-slavery people or black people uh, next or behind the Confederate ones so you cannot take a picture without seeing the other one. Like, could you imagine if they placed the statue just perfectly behind Robert Lee, Robert E. Lee, and there's no way you could take a picture of it without MLK's dick hanging over, over his back in the background? <laughs> no way. The president of the Confederacy and the penis of a man that had a dream. No matter how you took the picture, that just came out. Well, I, I think that so much. Just build new ones, but build them so they upset the people that worship the old ones. Right. Well, there was like those, uh, I think it's in uh, Macon, Georgia, where there's like a, 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 a statue of a Confederate uh, general there, and they wanted to take it down. And put it, you know, they could put it in a museum. There's lots of yeah. room. Uh, but then they wanted to replace it with a statue of Little Richard. Which Bop, Baba, Lou, Baba, Bop, Bamboo. Well, he was the biggest person I know from Macon, Georgia. And yeah. then one of the Allman brothers after that, I think. Right. So I, I, know, I don't think anyone would disagree with having a Little Richard statue up, you know. Just, Jerry Lee Lewis would. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that guy. Remember Paul Irving sent us that clip? of the artist that like Little Richard pretty much was very, very similar to mm-hmm. and was before Little Richard. Like if you heard the music, it sounds like Little Richard. The look, it looks like Little Richard. I wish I had his name in front of me, but it's like, it's pretty astounding. I was, I was very surprised. Well, I saw the one of Steve Ray Vaughan. This is the second or third time it's been vandalized. First time right. they uh, did some stuff and then they had like a Philadelphia Eagles football jersey they put on them. And I don't think he cared for any team. And then uh, they had the, uh, I think it was during one of the floods down there, they graffitied him and now it's just somebody's, you know, written on him again. So I posted the other day, well, if you're going to take Stevie Rave down, then I want dibs. <laughs> I, I'd love to put him on my balcony and people could look over, and, you know, flooding down in Texas. But I mean, um, I'll tell you what statue I love and I hope they never tear down. There was... Uh, in Chicago, in Grant Park, across from the Congress Hotel, there's, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was a, uh, I can't remember it was a, a native on a, on a, on a horse or, or a soldier on a horse. But during the 68 Democratic Convention, one of the yippies climbed on top of that with the Viet Cong flag. So he kind of mimicked the pose of it while holding up the BC flag. And to me, that's an iconic picture. Right. Because that's when, you know, yeah, you had anti-war uh, activists, not people that, you know, wrote on Facebook, but fuckers that went and got spray painted and clubbed in the head and dragged off to jail. Uh, you know, you had activists that uh, climbed there. You know, I don't know about waving the Viet Cong flag because it was killing our boys. But still the point was that, to me, that was such an iconic picture that I can't see that. You know, when I, when I took my kids to Chicago last time, I had, I had to tell them all about the picture with the flag. And then I Googled it so they could see it. And, uh, you know, and say, that was the times. It's not funny they'll tell my kids about the 68 Democrat convention. And then after Martin Luther King was assassinated, me being 10 years old and seeing the National Guard Jeeps driving through town with soldiers in the, in the Jeeps with fixed bayonets. You know, it, it, it seems, like, uh, seems like a million years ago. What do you, th- what do you think is, uh, 
What do you think is going to happen? Do you think, uh, are we going to see another four years of Trump? Because I know it's like with all the sort of the, uh, it's like, I mean, e even after the 68, uh, you know, uh, Republican convention or Democratic convention. Democrat. Yeah, that delivered basically the country to Nixon. Right, yeah. So it's even after all those riots and all that racial unrest and then, but and it still went to Nixon. That's because white people wanted protection from you know, fear of a black planet. It's like when that you saw the pit, you saw the film of the couple guarding the two lawyers down in yes. Missouri guarding. That's why people want their automatic. That's why they want the AR-15s and the AK-47s because it's fear of the black uh, 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 crowds just overtaking your mansion, killing your dog, and going to tell you what a, what room in your mansion they're going to sleep in. Yeah. You know that is the exact reason why those why you've got but the when, when has that ever happened? I mean, this it is never the, has. I know, but this is the whole thing about it's you know like why? you you can people got guns. No, yeah, but, but it's always like I got to worry about this, this, and this. If that had happened before, I'm not saying I would agree with it. I would understand it more. Mm -hmm. But none of these riots have went into someone's personal home and done something to a home. To my knowledge, have they gone into a store like a Target? Yes, they have. And done all kinds of that shit. Yes, they have. But they've never went into a subdivision, gated or not, and overtook a house. You can always be the first, though. That's what that's what the fear is. Right. Like, I'm going to be the first one of that. It's sort of like, well, Obama never took anyone's guns away, but that was the narrative for four years or eight sure. years. He's going to come and take our guns, and he never right. did. But you know, they're they're still trying to. They're they're still in horrible fear of. Oh well, if if, if Joe Biden comes in, they're going to. They're going to take our guns, too, again. But Okay, I just lost contact with you guys. Can you still see me? Yeah, I can still see you, yeah. And we've only got about two minutes left anyways, Kenny. Oh, so, okay, because I can't yeah, see Trump's you. Whole base is gonna, this is all I just got to say. Is Trump's whole base is going to die from COVID anyway. <laughs> uh, no, because they never I, do. I, only the good die young. Um, yeah. It depends, at the, at the it next depends if the army of hate is stronger than uh, the army of the awoke. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, the Trump people ain't about to not see that while we while we laughed at uh, at Miss uh, at, uh, at Betty Boo Boo or whatever that that fat kid was that uh, with the mother. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. While we were laughing at that and we we're laughing at uh, at uh, the, the, the duck hunters and yep. we're laughing at Bear duck Dynasty and the Duck Dynasty and Bearhead, those people, while we were laughing at them, they were using those shows to recruit because they had eight years of us having Obama. Right. So, and, you know, they and to them, make America great again means not having... They didn't like an intelligent uh, black man like Obama. What makes you think they would put a clown like Kunye in office? Ain't gonna happen. Yeah, so, well... So, while, while we're busy laughing at them and all their inbred... Uh, uh, reality shows. I mean, you know, who else became a big supporter of Trump? The, you know, the grandfather and all the people from Duck Dynasty, they all stepped forward and and, and, yep. and, and stepped up. So it all depends if, you know, if, if the, if the, if the people on the, on, on the right are going to go up there and back their player. I've been so disappointed by so many people that I've been cool with over 30 years to see now how right wing they are. They're like, well, Kenny, we don't have a white lives matter marching. I said, no, you don't have a straight parade either. You know, yeah. but, you know, do you want uh, White Lives Matter? I think it's called the Klan. And, uh, and they always say, well, you know, where's Black Lives Matter when, uh, when Chicago has 65 shootings? Black Lives Matter wasn't established to, to go after regular crime. They were established to keep the police in check. Right. 
And now I, I, I almost feel like Black Lives Matter has been hijacked by, uh, by the radical white left. That's who's breaking all the windows. That's who was. I'm like, I, I think I got in trouble on uh, Ted Wallace's show when I said too many white people in these in these uh, riots. I said I remember the only time during the last great riot with uh with uh, with for Rodney King, the only Caucasian dude you saw was Reginald Denny, and that was after they dragged him out of his truck. Otherwise, you didn't see any white folks. And I think they they had apologized for that once I said there's too many. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't like so many allies. This used to be ours. Well, four years ago, uh, me and Kenny were doing a West Coast tour. It was the last one we did. And it was on election day, and we had the day off, and we're sitting in our basement Airbnb. And I've never watched a whole election for, like, the whole day of it. And we got some food, and we sat down, and we watched it, and it just like everyone. Whoa, Hillary Clinton's going to win this. And then it's this, you know, Fox News and started reporting. We're like, holy shit. Oh, my God. And just at the end of it, we're like, wow. Nobody saw that coming. And I think this next election is going to be very similar. I don't think anyone's going to be able to bet their house on who's going to win until it becomes the day of, because supposedly Trump didn't even think he was going to win that day. I don't, think, right I don't think he wanted to win. I think he wanted right. to lose so he could blame the system on being rigged and corrupt, and then he would have started his own even farther right. Well, he was he was banging on that before he won. Right. And then he won. Then he says, well... If they try to take me out of office illegally, so it's uh, it's sad that uh, that so many people uh, embrace this. But I don't I don't think they're true Trump supporters. I think they just uh, they just tired of the black people that live in their neighborhoods. Yeah. And before we go, I just want to also mention because we've mentioned all these great comics, but we haven't talked even thirty seconds about Dick Gregory. Oh. And I just think that if we can just wrap up in a minute or two about why Dick Gregory's important, because I think a lot of comics, black or white, don't even know who he is. Oh, well, that's a damnedest shame. Dick Gregory, uh, he was a pioneer. In fact, uh, before I even knew I wanted to be a stand-up comic, I read his book, Nigger. I, thought, I think I might have been in like grade nine, grade 10. And everything that I, it was basically, it was my intro, it was stand-up comedy. And that was the title of his book, by the yeah. way. Yeah, and on the back of the book, it said, Mama, next time you hear this word, don't worry. It's just somebody talking about my book. Right. So, um, Or he also said in another quote, he named it that. So every time someone said that, you knew he probably made money because they bought his book. There's so many Dick Gregory stories. Uh, my uh, my mother and dad went and saw him at, uh, at uh, what the hell is the part, the, the motel? Uh, Robert's uh, show lounge on New Year's Eve, where he did 15 minutes. We just smoked a cigarette and made a uh, and uh, nigger lifted, as I used to say, and did a uh, smoke rings and all kinds of stuff like that. So, but um, you know, he was like telling, you know, he really tells uh, advice to young black comics is be clean that when they can't put you in the red box. He didn't say red box, but uh, you know, he said they can't put you in the uh, blue comics uh, thing. And he was political. You know, yeah. he said, read the paper, read every newspaper, write five jokes a day. Yeah. Um, which is the com, you know, I, like he said, you know, like I, I tell all the young comics, read, 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 have something topical to talk about, have something that's water cooler conversation, have some intelligence to talk about. And uh, he was the first black act to play the Playboy Club. And he was only booked because there's a snowstorm and it prevented the other act from getting in. And uh, it was a private, it was a party of, of a Southern businessman. And he came out and uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I got to deal with management. Every time somebody yells the word nigger, I get $5. So on the count of three, everybody, um, he was doing stuff. He was doing civil rights marches. He yeah. marched with Martin Luther King. He, uh, he'd been clubbed. 
when during the uh, Watch Rights of 65, he went into the streets of Watch telling the youth, go back home because the cops and National Guard are killing and we ain't going to win this. And while he was out trying to get the kids in the house, he caught a bullet in the lake. Mm -hmm. um, he was against the Vietnam War before anybody else got involved. One of the great lines he used to have was, I know the FBI is bugging my phone because I owe the phone company $700 and they haven't shut me off yet. So <laughs> I know somebody wants to hear what I'm talking about. Um, he did another bit about, um, I can go to any city in America, find where I can buy heroin within 10 minutes. How come the police with all their money and all their surveillance, how come they can't find the dope dealers? Because they don't right. want to. But I can right. find one without having anything more than $10 in my pocket. Right. So um, he was just, you know, it was just basically... Uh, um, it was a, a, a homespun kind of uh, common sense about his comedy. But the man was way more than a stand-up comic. The man Oh, yeah, no, for sure. But the problem is a lot of people don't even know because in the last 10, 20 years, he was much more, like you said, a, an, an advocate, an activist, you know, yeah. the whole juicing thing that he got into and pushing that. Oh, I lost more, you know, except for when I first got diabetes and then started going to the gym every day. Then I met my next wife and didn't think I had to keep it up. But uh, I lost a lot of weight on the Dick Gregory uh, powder diet. You mixed up with fruit juices. Mm -hmm. I had some custom made black suede pants made and they were falling off my ass after drinking this uh, diet on after three weeks on the road. And I need to find it again. I don't know if they still make it. Uh, well, so I, the, just, I just hope through the Bohemian diet. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Hi, this is Dean Stockwell, and you're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on Laugh Attack XM Radio. Yeah. Kathleen, uh, I know that you just moved recently, and then when you, in the process of your moving, did you get? Did you find that you got rid of a lot of stuff? That. Um. Yeah, we got rid of a lot of stuff, but we had, like, more stuff for that two-bedroom apartment than we needed. So now it's like, oh, we're good in this house now. Right. But, yeah, I did, I, I've moved a lot. Like, I think I've moved probably the last 10 years, like, five or six times. Mm -hmm. And every time I move, I get rid of more sh more shit. Right. I just I, I, I just asked because my, my folks recently got rid of uh, – well, they asked me if I wanted it, but they, got, they found all my old – uh, grade four, five, and six projects from uh, from uh, grade school. Yeah. And uh, and I was digging a bunch of them up, and uh, some and, of them. And back and back then, you spelled pussy e y or. Um, I think I used the correct medical term and said vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I found a bunch of my old schoolwork because when my mom passed away in the fall, we found a whole bunch of stuff, and I have it now, and it's like oh, wow. old yeah. books and stuff. I have like old report cards that are hilarious. And I, we found one of my mom's old report cards that was like, she was failing everything. I'm like, oh, she was me. <laughs> like we were the same person. And she always got in trouble for talking and stuff. But yeah, no, finding those books, that's the best. I was, uh, I just, I mean, when you guys were talking about Value Village and, for, and passing shit on, it reminded me of a story that uh, I guess two weeks ago, last Father's Day, I went over to my folks place and oh my God. I was putting a bunch of stuff in this filing cabinet that I have that's at their place. And, um, I, I was, I threw a couple of uh, pieces of paper in the garbage and I looked in the garbage and I found all of the presents that I gave to my dad for his last birthday from like a year ago where all where uh, there was like three or there was like two or three of them in the, in the garbage. And, <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. Well, it, it gets better. It gets better. It's not only are they not only are they in the garbage, Dave. What? Tell the rest. 
Oh, what, what, what's the rest? The, uh, they were they were unopened, weren't they? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were they were they were unopened in the garbage. And I and I said to my dad, I was just like I I picked them up out of the garbage and I I took them out of from his office and I put them by the front door and I just said, listen, I said, Bob, listen, if you if you don't like the things that I've given you, you could give them away to a value village or an anything or or whatever you want, but you don't need to throw in the garbage. And for two seconds. I could tell that he was about to do the, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just like, I was like, I literally just put the gift that I gave you a year ago for your birthday by the front door, and I plan on giving it to Value Village as soon as I can. And, uh, and then he used the excuse, no hard feelings. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an excuse. I don't understand that. While this is not a no hard feelings uh, situation. But then I also was thought, like, the one day that you knew that I was coming over to, yeah. to, 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 for Father's Day, or, uh, yeah. and that's the day that you throw it in the garbage. And, uh, and it sort of was like, and first of all, it's like, they're not, they're not missing out on closet space either. It's like, yeah. they could have easily kept it, or he could have easily thrown it away on any other day other than the day right. who I was coming over. It was um, a I well, Dave, just so you know, Dave, my dad called me on Father's Day and thanked me for the gift I got him last year. And in fact, he said he's used it so much, could I get him the same thing again? But go ahead. Anyway. And, and, they, and they probably turned out to be the gifts that I gave my dad. Yeah, I got my dad some little games, like some mind games or something. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that sounds pretty familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I found uh, two things that were really cool. I found my mom had my first baby book. So now I know the day that I said my first word and oh, the, wow, day okay. the first time. <laughs> but then I also found, I found the recorder that has my very first stand-up set on it. Oh, I have wow. not listened to it, but it's there. So I'm, your mom, your mom you're... kept that for you? Your mom had well, that. Well, no, I found that recorder thing, but she, my mom kept the baby book. Right. I had kept the recorder. I totally forgot I still had it. Oh, okay. So it's, so my set is on there, but I haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that your first words weren't headliner. <laughs> the uh, my I and, found it, and I, wait, 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 wait. Before you continue, now Kathleen, what you got to do is you got to get that digitized and put that out as your next album. That I should. Young comic would do. They'd yeah. be like, these are the early years, Kathleen. Ooh, oh my god, yeah, I should capitalize on that. The it's humiliating. Track. I'm sure it's awful. I'm sure. I'm sure I've got four street jokes in my first act. I'm sure I've like. The, I think I did the hackiest line ever when a female comic starts and is like, oh, is this a pole or is this the microphone stand? Like, just horrible, <laughs> horrible stuff. Wow. I had a whole bit about dating myself. Oh, I just, I don't even want to listen to it. I found, I, there's a tape I found a little while ago, and it's uh, my, um, it would have been early 80s, and uh, it was myself, because I was obsessed with SCTV, even though I probably didn't get half the jokes that were on it. But I love the Great White North, the Bob and Doug McKenzie sketch. And so there's a bunch of sketches on it with me at about, oh, uh, 80. So I would have been like nine or 10 years old. And it's myself and other than my next door neighbor, my friend Robert. Uh, and we were doing, we were basically doing like a Great White North sketch. But we were two like 10 year old kids. My and, best friend and I used to make radio shows all the time. Yeah. We'd like record and then we'd put a song in. <laughs> so yeah. The uh, the one that I found though, this was probably my favorite one that I found, and it was a uh, a discussion topic, uh, and it would have been this would have been from nineteen, uh, yeah, this would have been grade 
five or six. And so the discussion topic is uh, Martians. So <laughs> what happens if Martians invade? And it's very leading because I, at the top here, at the top it has all the things that I would do from one to five, but then there's a paragraph which is, a it has them in different orders. So the, okay, so it says uh, at the top, discussion topic, Martians. Um, this is what, oh, oh, these would be my options. So number one, make friends. That's the first thing I would do with the Martians. Number two, fight them off. And number three, run I wish you said beat them off. <laughs> well, yeah. and then, so, so number four would be commit suicide. What? Which, and then number wow. five, Wow. Number five would be make a deal. <laughs> Kill yourself first and then sounds, make a deal. Yeah, which doesn't really... It doesn't, sounds like your approach to women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beat them off. Beat them off. <laughs> commit suicide. Make, make a deal. Fred. Make Here's Fred. the deal. Here's the Fight deal. Them off. Yeah. Run away. Commit suicide. Then yeah. make a deal. Yeah. Which doesn't say much for my skills as... A, as which doesn't say much for my suicide skills... That like, all right, listen, I tried to kill myself. It didn't work. Let's make a deal. Yeah. Uh, but then if you actually read the And the deal is, the deal is you don't talk to any other women in the future that I date. Right, right. Or you will die somehow. <laughs> um, so, the, 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 so this is how the paragraph reads. Uh, my first action, which is out of order from the one to five that I had. My first action would be to make a deal. Uh, if they, okay, my first reaction would, my first action would be to make a deal if they could speak English. Uh, uh, the deal that, would, that they would get would be that they would be allowed to have a quarter of the earth, <laughs> which I think is a pretty good deal. Yeah, right? that's a good. really good deal. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, if they had lots of weapons and they seemed mean, I would run away. If they were little and they had no weapons, I would kill them. <laughs> Which is sort of like, I don't know where I'm getting my uh, international relations policies from. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I would not make friends because I would not be able to tell which Martians were friends and which ones were not. I would immediately not trust a Martian. And, uh, and then if the Martians tried to kill me, my last action would be to commit suicide. So that makes a little bit more sense to the Why don't we call them Martians anymore? No. Well, it's right. hurtful. It's hurtful. Um, and I aliens. Did, this is a, a, a diary that I had from, uh, uh, okay, let me see. Uh, um, what's a good one? Do you remember as a kid, there was a movie called Santa Claus versus the Martians? No. Yeah. I probably wasn't allowed to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because your movie always ended with Santa Claus committing suicide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, okay, well, I can't read that. Oh, and the other thing I found was my arrest warrant, my arrest uh, ticket for when I was uh, 17 years old and I got arrested for uh, possession of hashish. <laughs> you should frame that. That's frameable. Uh, I, I, prob I probably will. And uh, so I was arrested for, it was three weeks before, three weeks before my birthday. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Before you turned 18 or before you turned 17? Oh, before, three weeks before I turned 18. Okay. I went to juvenile court and I, the lawyer that I had was able to get me an absolute discharge 
So um, I, it, my record would be wiped clean. So I had a record for about three weeks. And uh, another <laughs> you funny- You that, did you? You told everyone. Sure. No, everyone said, you're, you're going to get an absolute discharge, no big deal. And that's what happened. But um, the day that I had my court date, my mom was pissed off. Oh, yeah. Spent about 15 minutes in court, and she bought a brand new outfit for it. And she was, she was upset because she, she wasn't in court long enough for people to notice her outfit. Yeah. Oh, God. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cute. And, and so then, she turned, then she turned to your father and said, for every Father's Day gift from here on in, right to the garbage. Right to the garbage. The, um, so, uh, so, yeah, so, then, so it's possession of hashish. I didn't get a mugshot taken because they didn't find any money on me. And um, so they couldn't get me for dealing hash. Uh, I was just had possession because it was all in one big chunk. And I didn't have any money on me. And uh, so the lawyer I got, this is actually pretty funny. The lawyer that I got, his fee happened to be $420. Ah, shut up. $420 was my wow. lawyer's fee and, uh, for my possession of hashish charge. So was I, $420 uh, a thing back then? Pardon? No. Was $420 a thing back then? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was around, but it wasn't like celebrated like it is now. Well, I, yeah. it wasn't as big as part of pop culture, but yeah. weed culture wasn't either. But 420 was still a thing. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's still the funniest, though, is my mom was all pissed off because... Did I, you have to pay for the lawyer, or did your parents pay for it? Oh, I was 17. My parents paid for it. I, had, <laughs> I did have a job, though, so at the I time, was 28. My parents paid white for boy. it. My parents paid for everything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But anyways, that's that's my that's my I'm not about to clean. And then that. every time your dad gets a gift, he looks at it and goes, "Oh, we could have just made him pay for that, and I wouldn't have got this gift." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the extent. That's how long things go into the future for. But yeah, three weeks before I turned eighteen, so I've been a good boy ever since. <laughs>